Who are you? It's a question that we have been asking. And I believe the way you answer that question is very defining in your, in your life. It makes a difference. As followers of Jesus Christ, everything has changed for you. From rejected to accepted, from forgotten to remembered, from victim to victor. Who are you? You know, who are you in Christ? Who are you when you look at yourself and you think about that? Who are you? I mean, that's a question worth asking. And in Christ, we are crowned in dignity. We're heirs to majesty. We are made for victory. And we are royalty. You know, Peter says this. He says, but you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. It's who you are. It's who God says you are. And yet, I've watched through the years, and too many Christians live these defeated lives. You know, failing to comprehend their true worth. Living life that it's, the fact is, they feel less than. And that is not what God intended for you. You know, throughout Scripture, God says that you're a prized possession. You're called to a life of purpose and meaning. And we talked about this last week. The fact is, you are more than a conqueror. You were created by God to live victoriously in life. It's who God created you to be. But it's not the life that most Christ followers live. And I think, how is that even possible? Well, the fact is, I believe most people are being robbed. You know, the evil one, we're told, is a thief. He's a liar. In fact, Jesus kind of warns us of his objective in life. He says, the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come in order that you might have life, life in all of its fullness. And I believe one of the ways that he steals from you is he tries to convince you that you are less than, that you are not enough. And it is a lie that all of us battle to some degree in our lives. It is a lie that too many people believe, and it is a lie that will steal from you little by little. You know, eroding your relationships, eroding things vocationally in your life, socially, spiritually, even physically, eroding things in almost every area when you really take a close look at it. Satan, I believe, wants to confuse you about who you are. And he does that by repeatedly whispering lies. You know, he plays on your weakness, on your insecurities, and really it's just kind of an entry point, to be quite honest. You know, it's an entry point, and he is very skilled, because if he can get in your head, then he gets access to your heart. And friends, when he gets access to your heart, you better watch out, because before you know it, you will abandon your true identity and who God created you to be. You know, I've shared many times, I started preaching when, when I was 16 years old. 
And uh, I would get these calls from pastors, small churches around Springfield, and I had more than one call that went something like, hey, Damon, you know, we've been trying to get someone to fill in for me. I'm going to be gone, but nobody else could do it. And I was wondering, could you fill in for me? And I I was looking back on it. It's kind of humorous because of the way that they would couch things. And I was young. uh, I was eager. And I figured it was a good way to sharpen my skills. And so when I got an opportunity, no matter how they asked me, I just said, yes, sure, I'd be glad. And if I was honest about it, it ate at me a little bit. You know, it played in my head. And I would think, you know, well, you were the last option they had. Nobody else could do it. And they thought you would be better than leaving the pulpit empty that Sunday. (laughs) I mean, that's what played in my head. I remember one time I went to a church. It was the first time I was speaking there. And uh, I I was a little bit nervous because I had heard the pastor speak from that church at camp. And and he was a really, really good speaker. And so, you know, that was kind of playing in my head. And so I, I worked really hard on the message. And that Sunday I got there early, kind of wanted to get a lay of the land, figure out, kind of get myself settled, so to speak. And they were having a fellowship time beforehand down at down in the basement. And so uh, I went down, I joined them there, and then the, the bell rang. How many of you remember the bell at church, you know? It was like, yeah, yeah. so uh, everybody started upstairs for the worship service. I started toward the stairs, and an older lady grabbed my arm, and she goes, young man, she said, could you help me up the stairs? And so I, I stopped, and uh, I said, sure. And she said, I can't wait to hear our pastor. He is so good. And, and I said, well, yeah, he's a, he's a great speaker, but he's not speaking today. She goes, he's not, you know. I, she says, well, who's speaking? And I said, well, I'm speaking today. And she stood there for a minute, and she kind of eyed me up, and uh, kind of, I think she was assessing things. And then she sits back down. She goes, I think I'll finish my coffee. (laughs) No joke, no joke. At that moment, I heard that whispering voice. And And I've heard that voice many, many times through the years. Damon, no matter how hard you try, your best isn't good enough. Get a clue, dude. Get a clue. How many of you have ever felt that way at some point in your life? Who are you? Who are you? Here's the thing. When you believe a lie, it is the same thing and has the same effect in your life as the truth does. And again, it's one of Satan's greatest weapons against you. He will lie to you. He's the father of lies. And when you start listening, before you know it, you start believing it. And if you're not careful, you start living and acting like the lie's true. It's just that simple. You know, I find it encouraging when I look through Scripture that some of the greatest heroes of faith, they felt the same way in their lives. You know, when God called Moses, 
He called Moses to deliver the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. And he says this, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you've spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. You know, don't put me up in front of people. I ain't good at it. I, I get nervous, Lord. I get anxious. I mean, listen to me. It's hard to understand me, Lord. I get things twisted. I get them mixed up. And basically, Moses is saying, I'm not good enough for this. How many of you have ever watched The Bachelor? How many of you are afraid to admit that you watch The Bachelor? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the fact is, the, the premise is kind of simple. The, the Bachelor starts by dating women. Usually there's 25 of them. And at the end of the show, the, the bachelor will give roses to the women, and if you don't get a rose, then you're eliminated. Now, I happen to catch the end of one of the shows, and there, this girl was eliminated, and it was really interesting. She gets in this limo, and she's crying. I mean, she's sobbing. She goes, I thought he was the one. There must be something wrong with me. In my head, I'm thinking, there's a lot wrong with you, girl. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Yeah, and I, I could start naming them off. I mean, for starters, you're on a date with a bunch of other women dating the same guy. You know, you, you talk to him 15 minutes, and you think he's the one you're supposed to marry, and, and on and on I could go, another message another day. But here's my point. When you are rejected, or when you feel like you've been rejected, it is tough. It is really, really tough. And some of you are dealing with rejection today. You didn't achieve what you thought you were going to achieve by this point in your life. You thought you could do more, but you couldn't. You didn't get the promotion. You weren't able to save your business. You lost everything. That relationship fell apart, and you never thought it was going to happen to you. And those insecurities, the inadequacy, it wells up in you, and you think, there must be something wrong with me. And friends, if you've ever, ever felt like that in your life, I want to encourage you today. There's something wrong with you. Now, I want you to hear me out, because I, I truly believe if you do, we can kind of get a handle on this thing. See, without Jesus Christ, there is something terribly wrong with you. In fact, there's a lot wrong. You see, God loves you. I mean, he really does, but without Jesus Christ, you are in trouble in your life. You know, it's what the Apostle Paul was talking about when he wrote these words. He says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. You know, Paul would go on for several more verses here. He talks about the fact that we all have this natural inclination towards sin. We got this bent, you know, that because of sin, we're, we're spiritually dead. We deserve God's punishment. In fact, we've earned it. But the good news is that God loves us so much. He loves you. 
that he sent his son to die on the cross for you, to die for your sins. And that day when Jesus walked out of the grave, forgiveness, salvation was possible. Because of Jesus Christ, everything, everything in your life has changed. You're saved by grace. It's something God did for you in Jesus Christ. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. You can't be religious enough. You can't take credit for it. The fact is, it's a free gift from God. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, new day, new way. And get this, it's a new strategy for how you're going to live your life. See, Christ followers, who are you? Do you know who you are? You know, Paul writes this later on in that chapter. He says, for we are God's what? Masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he plans for us long ago. With Jesus Christ, you are a masterpiece. Friends, the the realization of that changed my life. It changed absolutely everything in my life. And I will tell you the realization of that great love of God and that God created me to be his masterpiece. I mean, it served me well for over 50 years. Who are you? You know, Christ followers, because of God's grace, because of what God did through Jesus Christ, you are a masterpiece. I mean, let that sink in for a minute. In fact, say to yourself, I am a masterpiece. Let's say it. I am a masterpiece. Some of you did not say that. You said, I'm a masterpiece? It is not a question. It is a statement. It is who you are. It's who God says you are. You're a masterpiece. You're created new in Jesus Christ. You're not saved by doing a lot of good things in your life, but you are saved so that you can do good things in this world. You know, ever been to an art gallery? You know, I, I love art. And I love going to the Institute of Chicago and to see just these masterpieces. I mean, they're, they're amazing. You know, my favorite artists are Monet and Picasso, Dali, you know, Degas, Renoir. People walk by these masterpieces, and you'll hear them, they go, oh, that's just beautiful. It's beautiful. Well, friends, you are a masterpiece, but you are not created just for show, You've got a purpose, a God-given purpose. You know, in the, the Greek, uh, that word that's translated uh, masterpiece, it, it means poetic statement of the glory of God. Your life should be a poetic statement of the glory of God, what God's capable of doing. You know, sometimes a uh, masterpiece is translated tapestry. In other words, God takes everything in your life, your failures, your bad decisions, 
God takes your sin, your defiance, your anger. God takes your hurts and your pains and your brokenness. God takes all that stuff and he weaves it together into a beautiful tapestry, a poetic statement that speaks to the glory of God and the power of God in your life. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a masterpiece. You're a tapestry. It's who you are. And it's who God says you are. You know, but David, he's writing, and he kind of states this very plainly. When he writes these words, he says, For it was you who formed me, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. See, masterpiece there. Wonderful are your works that I know well. And David's kind of celebrating his life and he's worshiping God. And he goes on, he says, My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven. See, there we go. There's tapestry. Intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them as yet existed. That to me is one of the most mind-blowing pieces of Scripture there is. God saw you in the beginning. God knows who you are because he created you. God decided your days on this planet, you know, however long you're given, it was determined by God. God decided that the moment in history that you would serve him best with your gifts, your talents, your personality, there was no better time than this for you to live and be born. But here, here's the problem as I see it. Many of you do not know who you are. You don't believe that you're a masterpiece you do not understand that you have a God-given purpose in this life. And friends, when you don't understand the purpose of something, what you tend to do is abuse it, misuse it. You know, when I was a kid, I had the book uh, Robinson Crusoe. And I used the book for all kinds of things. You know, it was a shield you know, I would use it when my brother and I were playing war in the house with beanbags. We're throwing them at each other, and, you know, I'd use it like a shield. And I used it as a doorstop. I used it as a truss on, on my slot car track, you know, to kind of level things up. Now, I'm not positive, but I don't think Daniel uh, Defoe, when he wrote the book, was thinking, yeah, that's a cool way to use my book, you know. The book was created to be read, which I did about five or six years after having it. And, and it's, a, it's a great book, by the way. But many of you do not believe you're a masterpiece. You don't believe that you were created by God on purpose for a purpose. And consequently, you're misusing your life. You're abusing it. You're experimenting with it. You know, maybe, maybe this job will bring me fulfillment. And so you throw yourself into the job and you really expect it's going to kind of prop you up. But then it doesn't. 
You're hoping this relationship, you know, this will do it. And then when it kind of goes south, you go, well, it's not working for me. You know, I I need someone else, something else. You know, some of you are trying to fill that void, you know, accomplishments, awards, and toys. And so you chase all kinds of stuff. If I had this, if I had that, then I'd really be happy. And then you get it. And it, it fills the void for a moment. But over time, what happens? Well, that void comes back. You start looking for another fix. You keep experimenting. And the problem is, you don't understand what you were created for. Friends, if you do not understand the purpose of something, you do not ask the thing. You don't. You ask the one that created the thing. You know, in other words, you don't pick up Robinson Crusoe and go, hey, what are you for anyway? No. You go and ask Defoe. You say, you say what's this for? It's to read. You ask the one that created it. You are a masterpiece of God. And so you ask God, what's my life to be about? And I want to help you a little bit, okay? This will just jumpstart you. Give you, give you a little bit of a head start trying to figure out purpose. You exist not to accumulate as much as you can. You exist not, not to go from one fun fix to the next fun fix to the next fun fix. You, you were not created to consume as much stuff as you possibly can in this life. You exist to bring glory to God in a very specific way. You are God's masterpiece, and you're created on purpose and for a purpose. I don't know what that is, but I can definitely tell you those are not things that it is. You know, Peter writes this, he says, we have everything we need to live a life that pleases God. It was all given to us by God's own power. And when we learn that, He has invited us to share in his wonderful goodness. God will never call you to do something that you cannot do. Did you hear that? I mean, let's take Moses again. You know, God calls Moses to deliver Israel from slavery. Moses doesn't believe he's a good enough mouthpiece that he's capable of it. And so when he kind of says, I don't think I can do this, Lord. You know, I'm not a good speaker. I'm in over my head. God didn't go, you're right. You'd be terrible at this. You can't do this. No. God gave him everything he needed. And friends, he had everything that he needed. God had given it to him so that he could do what God wanted him to do. A lot of Christ followers struggle with this. And I think part of the struggle is what I would call masterpiece envy. 
You know, some of you spend so much time looking around at everybody else going, well, I don't have this and I don't have that and I'm not like that and I wish I had that gift and I wish I had that and I wish I was more like so-and-so and on and on it goes. You get so focused on everybody else, you don't even know who you are. You're just lost. As God's masterpiece, God will use everything in your life to bring about his purpose everything. You know, Paul writes this, he says, we know that all things, all things, everything works together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Everything. God will work it together to bring about something good. God will use absolutely everything in your life as part of the tapestry of your life some of you right now you're you're looking at your life and you're going I don't like who I am you don't like where you are you don't like what you've done you don't like who you're becoming in life some of you just need to get stuff right with God just say, God, it's a new day. Tired of living this way. Some of you have been faithfully following God, but you're very, very discouraged right now. Some of you are angry. Some of you are frustrated you know, because you're going through some stuff that you just don't want to go through. You're having to tackle some problems you wish you weren't facing. I mean, you're, you're facing stuff you thought, I, I would never face this. Some of you have been dealt a very tough blow. And I'll be honest, probably very unfair. Some of you would say, yeah, it's a mess right now. But friends, whatever it is, wherever you're at right now, you need to know that God will use it. Remember who you are. You are God's masterpiece. You were created fearfully and wonderfully. And God will take all that stuff, all of it. And whatever has happened, whatever you're going through, God will use it. He's a master at it. You are a masterpiece in God's hands. And friends, if you don't get anything else, get that. You're God's master priest. And don't ever, 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 ever forget that. You will live differently. And God will open the doors that need to be open. You just be who God created you to be. Some of you need to put this verse I don't know, on the mirror when you get up in the morning, refrigerator where you have breakfast or devotions, put it on your phone where you see it often. The Lord will hold you in his hands for all to see. Splendor crown in the hands of God, a masterpiece. That's who God created you to be. He did. Let's bow in a word of prayer together. Our holy God, 
God, I know there are some here today that um, they don't believe their masterpiece. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just enlighten them, encourage them, that they would hear that whisper saying, fearfully, wonderfully made, created for a purpose, created to make a difference. And God, I pray when those lies start coming in, I don't deserve good. I'm not worthy. I can't. Your spirit would just step in and say, you can with God. God, I pray that um, your spirit would just change the whole trajectory in their life. God, I know there are some here today that are just discouraged. They're faithfully following, but they're wore down. And I pray your Holy Spirit would just breathe life. Remind them that you created them in such a way to make a huge difference. Created them for an abundant life, a full life, glorious life. God, may we shine. May your glory show whether we're celebrating or going through trials. that we'd show we're your child, fearfully and wonderfully made. God, we give you the glory this day and every day. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. And God's people said, amen. So those that are being baptized today or parents of children that are being baptized, you can get up and head head out uh, this is a special day for us as a congregation, and uh, we're going to be celebrating with uh, some individuals that are taking that step of faith to make Jesus their Savior and Lord. Some have made that profession a while back, and now they're following in baptism as kind of a statement to, to all of us and to encourage all of us in, in their faith. And so uh, we're going to uh, continue worship uh, after, after the song. I would invite you to just head out the doors to the front of the church, uh, and uh, we'll gather there. If you're unable to stay, we understand that. If you would kind of make your way, and if you would go out the side doors, that would help, uh, so that if we're in the midst of service out there, that we don't uh, break the mood of of that. So let's worship together at this time.